welcome everyone. We're so glad you're here to chat with us. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lauren. We're so excited to share conversations, stories, and an in-depth perspective of United Way's commitment to the Valley. We welcome Pam Romero today. Her role as Director of Community Schools United. Her passion is almost tangible, and we are eager to hear more about it. Thanks for being with us, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. We are so happy you are here. Um, so we want to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us and our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Pam. I've been with United Way since just October of 2020, so just a few short months. Um, I came on board as a director of the first community school strategy. And prior to that, I had worked with a number of other partner agencies and nonprofits in the area of um, youth programming and development. So anywhere from out of school time to the arts, sports and fitness, um, you name it. But definitely worked with uh, youth for a very long time in a number of different capacities. So um, I'm, I was born and raised in New York City. I grew up in, in Harlem during the 80s and 90s. So anything that you've seen or heard about Harlem in the 80s and 90s, it's probably true. <laughs> a lot of very, very tough times, seen a lot of things, a lot of you know crime, drugs during that time. It was like the crack epidemic poverty, gangs, violence, all those aces and traumatic experiences. Um, you know, as a child, I did grow up with both parents, um, which, you know, not a lot of people can say, unfortunately, um, in, in those days. But, um, but, you know, and I can't say that I'm a first generation. Well, I am a first generation New Yorker. My parents are, uh, my mom is originally from the Philippines and my dad is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, they they met and they were artists and they decided to travel the country and bought a van one day and said, hey, look, we're heading to New York and we're going to try and make it big as artists. Oh. So, yeah, they literally lived in their van. And at, at the time, YMCA had housing. So, you know, they would travel around like hipsters and just play music and dance. Wow. Uh, and, right. Yeah. So then kids came along and I am the, the middle of of three siblings, so I have siblings and you know, I have, have two kids myself, a uh, teen and a tot. Um, <laughs> in a little bit about you, you mentioned ACEs and I know a lot of us know what ACEs stands for, but can you um, expand on that one for us? Absolutely. So ACEs stands for Ad Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, so a lot of the things that I, that I mentioned, so, you know, poverty, a lot of mental health issues, trauma, um, you know, that you see from, from crime and uh, growing up around violence and just unsafe situations there. So anything that's really, you know, adverse that can impact the way that a child develops um, and facing a lot of trauma. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that definition with us. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit more about community schools um, and let us know about the strategy. Sure. So it's a very, very large strategy. So um, community schools, there's over 8,000 nationwide, but you know, as we, this is the first one that is here in the Chattahoochee Valley. So I'm very excited about that. So what community schools is, it's, it's a place and a set of partnerships 
um, that really all band together to um, specifically break down those barriers of inequity that we see in a lot of um, you know, the most vulnerable communities. So when I say vulnerable, I mean that communities that are you know, in areas that are very economically disadvantaged where students struggle both inside and outside of the classroom. So with this strategy, the ultimate goal is to, to help the whole child thrive by providing those additional supports and resources to address those barriers. Um, so we, we look at the, the needs of, of that school and that community, and that could vary. It, I mean, you could have one school on one side of town and, you know, maybe a few, few blocks over the, the greatest needs are going to be completely different. So, you know, the resources and programs and services are deployed based on the greatest needs of those schools. You know, and that could be anywhere from you know, integrated support services. So really addressing those mental and physical health um, barriers or issues that, that kids have, um, expanded learning time and opportunities. So connecting them to quality after school um, weekend or, or summer programs that provide that additional academic instruct instruction and support. Um, family and community en engagement. So we really want it to be more of a shared responsibility and a shared effort. So getting parents more involved in the school and really um, reaching out to community partners as well uh, with the shared vision of, of helping students succeed in school. And then also collaborative leadership practices. So again, creating a culture of, of trust, collective trust and shared responsibility to, to help the children thrive. That's so much. And that's so exciting to have that in our area. But um, it's even more special having you as our director of community schools because you grew up in a community school and you know the impact it can make. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in growing up in a community school? Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned, I grew up in New York in the, the 80s and 90s. And, and in New York City, that was really the time where um, the community school strategy started to pick up a lot of momentum. So, you know, I was in a very budding site uh, where it, it was it was new. But what I can remember is, um, you know, having all of these resources available within the school. So you literally wouldn't have to go anywhere. So I remember getting medical treatment, you know, within the school, parents being really in engaged and it being, you know, the day didn't end at three o'clock um, or 3.45, whatever time we got out of elementary school at that time. But, it, you know, it was an ex expand expanded day where teachers would stay and, you know, the principal was always there. Parents were in the school and, you know, there were community partners that came in to provide those after school enrichment services and programs. Um, and it was just a shared effort within the community. And, um, you know, as far as the, the social services that were provided, my mom, um, she started volunteering within the school. And at the time, you know, she wasn't a U.S. citizen yet. So, I remember her working with the team at my elementary school to help her study for her citizenship test um, and ultimately help her you know, pass it and gain citizenship and then also find work after that. And then financial security, food security, housing. I remember we had a fire as a, a kid and you know it wasn't but a few hours before we, we were able to find, find housing with the support of community school and community partners. Um, but I just remember it being having these experiences that, you know, I see so many kids now not being able to to have. And I think I thought of it as being like, oh, this is what a normal school is, you know, and it's not until, 
you know, I grew up and I move around. I've lived in four different states now and I have, you know, my kids have been in different districts and you see that this is not, it's not normal. normal. Um, and it's definitely very needed in a lot of our communities. Um, and to this day, my mom, she actually ended up working for a community school. So she, they connected her not only to these resources, but also to a job. And ultimately she ended up, you know, returning the favor by working with community schools. And, and to this day, she is still in New York City working uh, under community schools with the Board of Education. So she specifically works with um, families that are facing homelessness um, and, you know, amongst other things. But I do remember as a child working, uh, going with her to work sometimes for a take your kid to work day and um, doing home visits and, you know, finding partners in the community that can, that will donate or, you know, food to, or clothing to certain families that she was working with. So it's really kind of deeply embedded into my DNA to the idea of service and specifically with um, this, this strategy. Um, but so that was my experience as a child. And, you know, it, it's funny how things come full circle because you know, before, prior to onboarding with United Way, some years ago, I lived in Maryland and, um, you know, my, my first probably days of, of moving to Maryland um, and registering my daughter for, for school there, um, you know, I myself had, had faced some, some domestic issues where, you know, in the blink of an eye, my life and my home situation kind of changed. Um, so, I looked at the school as a, a resource. Well, not necessarily not necessarily through community schools, but you know, I volunteered at my daughter's school at the time. I had left my job in Georgia, left you know friends and family, and here I am in this this new state and don't know anyone. I wasn't working at the time, so you know, I started to delve into volunteering at my daughter's school and meeting people and trying to network and see where I fit in. Um, in this very, very new community. And I ended up meeting a young lady who was the, um, starting a, or launching the, the community school site at my daughter's school. And, you know, I didn't really put two and two together with this is what I grew up with and I know what this is. But the more I talked to her, I got to learn a little bit more about the strategy. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I might need your help. So it was maybe a few few weeks or so of working with her that I kind of swallowed my pride a little bit and, and, you know, just said, look, you know, I know we, we've been friends and I've been volunteering with you, but I think that I need your help. You know, so she um, and that was more specifically for for employment. Um, and, you know, she told me, bring bring your resume and, you know, we'll see what we can do. And. Uh, the next day I showed up with my resume and showed it to her and she goes, um, well, I didn't think it was going to be like this, but I think you should work for us. You know, I think <laughs> We have a vacancy at one of our other schools for a community school coordinator. And it seems like it's aligned with a lot of your experience. So here's the HR contact, you know, maybe you should, you should try applying. And I did and was offered the, the position and, you know, then I became a community school coordinator at um, a school in Montgomery County, Maryland, and I was there for several years. And you know, it really, really became one of the most rewarding, um, amazing experiences that I that I have had in my um, my my professional life, yeah, and personal in many ways. 
Oh, that is so special. Um, and even just hearing about the assistance that these community school coordinators can offer to the parents that are going through troubles, because we obviously know if a student isn't having their needs met at home, they can't fully participate in the classroom. And um, so from that, can you expand a little more on how this program will impact our community? Sure. Um, so when we look at the the, the framework of community schools and how they utilize schools as hubs. So schools are, you know, as we know, they're already deeply rooted into many communities and already have a significant impact just by being there and being that, that source. So, and we know what the importance of parental engagement and strong support services all can have in helping children succeed in school. So with this strategy, what we do is we bring um, easier access. We bring an abundance of resources, both system level and grassroots organizations of, you know, just people that are in organizations that are out there and that want to help. So oftentimes parents might need help, but they don't know where to turn, you know, and when you have barriers like language or transportation or, you know, you're, you're facing a medical condition that preve prevents you from, you know, going to these resources, um, you know, which may be miles and miles away. And it, for so many of us to have transportation, it doesn't seem like an issue. But, you know, when you face the, the issue of not having that transportation or not having childcare to go to apply for these resources, when we use these schools as hubs, we create easier access to, to these much needed resources. So we're looking at really restructuring and reforming what a traditional school model is looking like, is going to look like to create more equitable equitable opportunities for the kids. So we really set them up for um, on a better life path and uh, make sure that the community knows that the schools and this, this strategy is a safe and supportive structure here that's read, available for you. Um, you know, and, and ultimately we really want our children to be ready to enter school. So, um, you know, those exterior barriers all have a significant impact on the child's performance academically and whether they show up to school. Um, so attendance and behavior when they come to school. So we really want them to be readily available to learn when they, they come to school. So they're not hungry. They're not facing, you know, they have clean clothes on. They have transportation to get there or they had a, a roof over their head last night. Um, and, and that when they show up, they are, are, you know, consistently showing up and that they're actively involved in learning and not just showing up and sleeping in the back of the classroom. Um, and then we also want to encourage families to be more um, increasingly involved in their child's education and the things that the schools have to offer. Offer. So if it means that our strategy sees there's a, a need for maybe parenting skills or financial literacy, we can reach out to those partners and bring those classes or those workshops to the school so that the parents can take advantage of those. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's really a shared, you know, collective effort between all these community partners, the families, the schools, um, you know, the you know, churches, if you have them in the area, gyms that are in there, it really just, you know, conventional and non-conventional partners. Um, but overall impact we hope to see is that students are graduate graduating on time and they're ready for college, career or citizenship. And, you know, in a, in a more, I guess, straightforward term, you know, kids are happier, they're happy, they're healthy, and they, they're ready to learn and they enjoy um, school and that these communities are strengthening and becoming more desirable places to live. I love how you talk about the school as 
not just a place for learning for kids, but a real collaboration point for the community in which you can be flexible to their needs. That's what I, it sounds like to me. And that sounds so exciting and, and needed. And it's the perfect time for that if it wasn't already. But from what I understand, the momentum of the strategy was a little bit held back due to COVID. And yet you're still so passionate and driven and such a big advocate for community schools. What inspires you to keep pushing ahead? What inspires you to keep just just getting up and getting out there and collaborating with your community? Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, there there have been some challenges with with COVID, and you know, I think that having grown up in in some similar um, situations as some of the families that that we work with and we see in our in our community. Um, these issues have, have always existed. So things that we hear now of families that are losing, losing jobs or getting less hours or, you know, can't afford to keep a roof over their, their heads, you know, and the, all of these things because of COVID. These are things that existed pre-COVID with a lot of the families that we work with. So now more than ever is a time that, you know, we really need to not forget those that are the most vulnerable. Um, so that's that's one thing that in, inspires me to keep going because you know they're 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 not going to be all over the news they're not going to be in your face and we need to find them sometimes because they don't have the access to 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 get these resources and with so many places being closed right now it's definitely a deterrent so maybe they knew how to access them before but since everything has shifted virtual you know there's another level uh you know that you you need to be aware of in order to access these and you know you know myself you know i i it, it is difficult to navigate because, you know, a lot of times you have to pick up the phone and see, okay, are they, they have limited hours or, you know, or are they not open? Are they redirecting people? So it's not a torrent time that is normal per se, but all these issues that existed pre COVID have definitely been magnified. Um, but, you know, besides it basically um, being a part of, of, you know, my childhood and the, the life you know, that I have, have lived that I really feel like child welfare is not just a, it's not just a job, you know, not for me at least, but it's a, it's a commitment. And um, it's something that we need to be consistent about and we, we can't give up. And, and with this strategy, um, you know, I, and I'll share, share a bit of a story. Hopefully we have a little bit time of time for this, but now, during this this break, I, I, I did move and, um, you know, I'm still boxed up and just kind of living out of boxes and suitcases until I have some time to, to unpack. But you know, I mentioned I have a toddler and, um, you know, toddlers grow overnight. So there's, you know, I'm not as good as getting rid of things, you know, as he outgrows them as I should be. Um, you know, I, I'm getting better, but, you know, he has... He had some socks on and, you know, I pulled the socks out and they, they looked a little small, but, you know, I put them on him anyway and he was fine to go and I pick him up. And this was yesterday and it was actually I'm in the car just driving with him in the back and just thinking of this chat that I'm having with you guys today. Like, OK, how, how am I going to share, you know, or convey this message you know, artfully and, you know, authentically? So I look back at, back at him and he's just 
he's jamming to the music and we're, we just listen to music on our, on our ride. And I look at his shoe and he's just twirling a little foot around to the music and I couldn't see his sock. Um, so I, I looked down, I took his shoe, I reached back and I took his shoe off. I'm like, Your sock, his sock was too small for him and it had disappeared in his shoe. And, you know, you know how sometimes you wear socks that are too small for you and they just kind of, you know, your foot just eats it up. And I just felt so bad because I'm like, this this poor kid, he had to go all day with this sock just, you know, messing with him and and he couldn't do anything about it. And then I think about all the kids that I have worked with that, you know, they, you know, they don't have socks to worry about or they every piece of clothing that they have is too small for them or they show up. And, and this is, this is today, this is years ago that, you know, when I was in school and working with kids in certain other schools, and then this is today too, in the schools that our strategy is in, you know, kids come to school, it's just in, in clothes that are, are filthy, um, you know, and th that are not the right size or inappropriate for the weather that's outside, you know, or, or don't have coats or anything, you know, and, you know, they can't do anything about it. They're, they're kids. They can't, they can't go to the store and buy, you know, new pairs of, of clothes or, you know, and, and a lot of the parents, they struggle trying to just keep them in, in what, you know, what they might get bullied in. And, um, you know, you, you look at situations where kids that, they're starving and they're sleeping in the back of class or they're, they're hoarding snacks, you know, they're hoarding lunches, you know, that they're, they're eating in the classroom and you pay attention to all of those little things because that kid's not going to be able to focus in school because they're getting bullied or, you know, they may have peed these pants three days ago and they're still wearing these clothes, you know, and, and parents have so much going on sometimes that, you know, they do the best that they can. And, Sometimes they don't know better. Sometimes they don't have the resources and to do that. You know, you never know what a kid is going through until, you know, you really find out what's going on outside of the, the classroom. So we can't say, okay, your child is, is not performing up to par or they, they misbehave in class, so let's suspend them and send them home. Now, right. what we need to do is find out why that's happening. So, you know, the great thing about this strategy is that, you know, we're located within the schools and that's where, where you're going to be able to have those observations. That's where you're going to be able to really talk to the schools or, or the teachers or the counselor and each student, each family, and just, just delve into what those greatest needs are and how we can help them face these challenges and to be able to you know, uh, do better for themselves and just get over that hump. You know, I've been there, you know, when I met with the, the community school coordinator the first time I was in a dark, dark space, you know, and I was vulnerable and I'm somebody that, you know, I had education, I had great work experience, you know, but, you know, my mental health wasn't there and I didn't have the resources at the time. So being able to be that light for a family that, you know, they're just in a bad, you know, bad place right now. Now, everybody wants their children to do good and everybody wants the best for their child. So, you know, being in a position to to be that light or to to be that change or to be that non-judgmental space where we can, you know, truly connect you, listen to you more, you know, so that we can connect you to the great organizations here in the area or agencies that, 
that that's what their mission is to to help with these specific you know challenges that you have, you know. And I remember a family, um, or or when I was a, a coordinator, we had this huge Thanksgiving. Uh, food drive and giveaway. And we were fortunate enough to um, get full course meals for you know over 40 families just at my particular school site. Um, and we're talking turkeys and you know all the fixings and, and even coolers to put them in because some families didn't have electricity, you know, or but um, and I remember how to me it, it just became it, it was, you know, it was a job, it was something that I do every day. I collect all these things and I think nothing of it. But then you know, give it to you give it to the families and they're looking at you like, why are you giving me all of this? I, you know, I was expecting maybe like some you know, stovetop stuffing in a box or tuna and crackers or something non-perishable. Um, you know, and they're so grateful. And you know, you 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 run into those moments where, you know, that you know, I remember coming back to work on that Monday after Thanksgiving and just thinking, okay, well, on to the next project, you know, and then the bell rings and the kids come in and I just had parents just flooding in my office and, and they were bringing me plates of food, you know, leftovers mm-hmm. that, you know, that they made from the, the don- donations that we had collected. And, you know, I don't know if there's a, a word to, descri- to describe the, the feeling of, of receiving you know, from from those that are don't have um, already don't have, but they're so thankful and grateful to you um, for going doing just what you what you do on a normal you know day, and um, you know I'm just honored and and you know thankful for the opportunity to to serve in, in this role and to have these. Um, you know, these robust experiences um, in this role. So when we talk about passion, I mean, it's just, it's more more experiences that I can share than than words, um, you know, can, can cover. So. Gosh, Pam, um, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Your, your passion really inspires me and their stories continue to inspire everyone and community schools sounds like it's it's going to be a fantastic initiative, thanks to you and your partnerships and collaborations. Very excited. Very, very excited. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you for joining us. For more information about community schools or United Way, visit unitedwayofthecv.org. We're so glad you're here to chat with us.